Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And we're a couple of timely babies this week. We have topics that both correspond to movies that are out right now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Could we be more on top of current events? I don't think we possibly could. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, we're back after having missed a week. That's right. That's right. That sucked. Sorry about that, guys. Thank you all for rejoining us mm-hmm. if you did. And to everybody who abandoned us. Yeah. Well, you won't hear this. No. But we'll find you. Someday. And we'll ask you why. Come on. Yeah. Give us a break. All right. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to go first this week. And my topic is telekinesis. Mm. Now, William... This was um, inspired by the upcoming X-Men movie that's coming out. Actually, it'll be coming out today, the day this comes out, June 7th. Wow, really? Yes, Dark Phoenix. Man, does, is that's that on a, Jean Grey. Is that on anyone's radar? She goes bad. Is that on your radar? Yeah. Okay. It's not enough. I don't know. I was huh. aware that it's coming out. I don't know anybody who's freaking out about it or yeah. anything, but you know, I know that it's coming out. Yeah, I think everybody's looking at this movie as like the final nail. I think they are. In the X-Men franchise coffin. Yes. I was very surprised that all of the current X-Men people are in it. I kind of thought it was going to be like a weird, just kind of off-brand, offshoot kind of thing. But like the gang's all here. It's like James McAvoy and... Um, Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. I, I think that's... they're in it. That's what's most shocking about it to me is that, that yes. everything about the um, the marketing for this movie mm-hmm. screams like side story yeah, or something totally. or lesser than yes i don't and think that yet, they're even in the main trailer that you would see like at least a couple months ago or whatever the trailer that you would see before movies and stuff in the theaters i think i saw a commercial and i was like oh the gang's all here huh yeah weird i know all right i didn't know i also didn't know that sophie turner was an actress she's the person who plays Jean gray she's from game of thrones which i know now i genuinely thought she was like a random influencer huh. and i knew she married a jonas brother oh okay and then I somehow found out that she was in Game of Thrones. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, which, she's Jean Grey. Oh. Which Jonas brother? Uh, Joe. <laughs> There's a Joe? Yes. Oh, that's weird. I know. It's like Nick, Joe, and what, Daniel? It's not. Who is the other Jonas Barney. brother? Barney. Tomas? Herman. <laughs> <laughs> the name Herman doesn't get much play these days. Herman, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. come out and play. Yeah. <laughs> The Jonas Brothers are taking the nation by storm. Kids love the Jonas Brothers. Joe, Nick, and Herman. I recently saw an SNL sketch from a few years ago where like Alec Baldwin was playing the fourth Jonas Brother. It wasn't very good. It actually was, it wasn't a great sketch. It's but a decently it's a good, funny it's premise. It's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he was a hermit or not, yeah. but anyway, Sophie Turner, who is married to Joe Jonas now, um, is playing Jean Grey in this upcoming X-Men movie or out today, if you're listening to it on Friday. Um, and Jean Grey has telekinesis, yeah, yeah, the power to move things with the mind. That's right. So I thought we would delve further into that. Okay. And it's also, it kind of like lined up perfectly with something that a listener, um, suggested to me. So I'll get into that as we go along. Alrighty. So here's the deal. It's also known as psychokinesis. It's just the same thing. And it just means the ability to physically move objects with your mind. Um, And the way the word comes together is that kinesis means movement. 
Psycho is mind, so it would be my movement. And tele means from a distance, so it's moving from a distance. Okay. I'm going to refer to it just as telekinesis from here on out just because. Yeah. And also, I like that television is like seeing things from a distance. I never thought about that before. Yeah, you never really think of the, about the math of language, but mm-hmm. that's why things have like prefixes. The prefix modifies the yeah. – Yeah. Yeah, there's like cool like Latin roots and stuff like that. I yeah, enjoy yeah. it. Um, so parapsychologists, these are people who study unusual things. Um, man, I wish I could remember what the root para means. Pa- uh, para. It's like, it's like not paranormal. really. Like, you know, paranormal is like not normal. Right, right, right. You know, supernatural always feels to me like it should mean like this is, you know, an organic, you know, oh, com- like kumquat. Supernatural. It's supernatural. Like supernatural. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's like beyond natural. Supernatural. Yeah, oop- <laughs> Oopy. That's all you can get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oopy. Got too excited. Oh, God. Parapsychologists divide it into two categories there's macro telekinesis and micro telekinesis. Yes. Macro and micro. Yeah. I'm, you- I'm just so happy to be back. I'm sorry. I, I like I keep wanting to interrupt you. I feel like I've got all this energy yeah. pent up because we didn't That's do a show fine. last week. I'm like, let it explode. So happy to be here. Let okay. it explode. Interrupt away. Willing this is a conversation. Yeah. It's a two-way street. You're right. Um, so macro is moving objects that are seen by the naked eye. Things that you could think of. Like if I were to take your big mug of water and it's like. Spill it all yeah. over the place. <laughs> all over the keyboard and ruin yeah. it. Um, that would be micro uh, macro telekinesis. And micro, I thought this was kind of interesting, is moving things so slightly that they need the use of t- statistics to be detected so like that would still count but people are you know can somehow sometimes use like i don't know little micro measurements yeah 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 like splitting atoms with your mind kind of thing yes and to that point what i thought was very interesting is that the idea of psychic healing falls under the realm i guess it depends on exactly what you're talking about but can fall into the realm of micro telekinesis because i guess if you are healing somebody with your mind or whatever you're probably moving something on some molecular level. What is psychic healing? I, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know off the top of my head exactly how to. But, but that's a term. Yeah. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, like faith healing. Or oh, okay. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. You know yeah. What I mean? That makes sense. Yeah. So I guess if you're healing somebody, there, you must have done something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like something has moved either in their aura or inside them in some sort of way. So that kind of counts as telekinesis, which I just never had never thought of before. Right. So I'm going to talk about it first in the realm of spiritualism. And this kind of connects to our last episode about Dan Aykroyd and talking about like the um, the seances that they would have and how they – there's a story about like things moving and seeing – I think they said like a trumpet-shaped thing in the air. One of our listeners, Kate, left a comment on our uh, Dan Aykroyd episode post about tricks mediums played <clears throat> in order to make it look like things had materialized. So this is what she said about ectoplasm. This is a quote from her. Um, she said that there was a trick that mediums used in live seances. They'd hide gauze or other materials in their mouth or sleeves when sitters were distracted and pull it out with thin threads. The darkness made the trick possible. I also recall hearing about trumpets suspended from strings during sittings, again, probably as a, discra- uh, as a distraction, and I believe to herald the arrival of the spirit more so than to communicate with them. Oh, okay. So I guess it was like, oh, the spirits are coming in, and there'd be like a trumpet above their heads. That's Everybody's weird. like, whoa, while something else weird happens. Yeah. So, <coughs> so when things, you know, would happen in seances, 
you can attribute that a lot of these things to telekinesis, them moving something and saying that a spirit is here because they moved it or whatever. And here are some examples of that. There was an Italian medium named Eusapia Palladino who said she could move things during her seances, but then she was caught moving a table with her foot by a magician named Joseph Rin, who was investigating her claims. So I guess she was like spouting this far and wide to the point that it's getting attention from people who want to examine this because there's this magician and there were other researchers over time who investigated her and everybody was like, eh, whether it's moving with things with her foot or other stuff, she's like doing tricks that are making this happen. Um, There was a Polish medium named Stanislaw Tomachik. I think I'm pronouncing that okay. Um, who claimed that she could make objects move with the help of a spirit she uh, with a spirit guide she had named Little Stasia. Wow. <laughs> Little Stasia. Little Stasia. Uh, and there's a famous picture of her that was taken in 1909 where she has a pair of scissors held between her hands. Like it's floating there. Cool. Um and it's sometimes cited in books about telekinesis, which remind me of Dan Aykroyd talking about things like, yeah, it's been, you know, seen that the that the Fox sisters actually communicate with a ghost that was in their home. But it's like wildly debunked, but he probably saw it in a book somewhere and just got lodged in there. So if somebody sees this picture of <clears throat> little Stasia helping out Stanislasa or whatever, right? Yeah, Stanis Stanislaw. They they might be like, yep, this is legit. Look, uh-huh. Tom is making scissors flow. The fact that it's in a book mm-hmm. proves it's legitimate. Right, a book about telekinesis. This is what you would like. Also, <laughs> back then too, how else you're going to look this up? Like, if you're interested right. in this, and there's a book about telekinesis, you're going to read it, and you're going to believe whatever is in that book. It's yeah. not like you're going to have a ton of other information like on the internet as a counterpoint. So you could get away with this stuff for, I think a good while back then. Yeah. It's so hard to, to think back on the world before we're now we're so mm-hmm. accustomed to being mistrustful of photos yeah. and video. Yeah. Especially now with like deep fakes and stuff yeah. where you can make any person look like they're saying anything. Mm-hmm. It's only getting worse. It's hard to remember being in a world where a photograph is absolute proof. Yeah, right. Like seeing somebody like you know, holding their hands out and there's a pair of scissors suspended in them. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, well, that, Proves it. There's no way yes. that could be fake. There's no chance. It's so hard right. to th- see things from that viewpoint today. Totally. And like, again, back then, if you were like, I, you know, I'll believe it when I see it, you're seeing it. Yeah. So you may as well believe it. Yep. Um, but same as our friend Usapia, she was getting, you know, a lot of attention that also drew the attention of people who were skeptical about this sort of stuff. So researchers started coming by and checking her out, doing her thing when she was holding seances and having things levitate. And they um, said people started to speculate first that she was balancing the scissors on a fine thread right, to kind of get them to stay that way. And then it was later proven when people started coming in person, they were like, yeah, I see the thread or whatever. That sucks. I know. It's going to be tricky to be like uh, somebody who's trying to do this line of work you want you need to be bombastic and big to get eyes on you right but you can't get too big can you imagine because then they'll start looking at you can you imagine the flop sweats you would get my god i don't think i would even let them um research me if i know that i'm not legit i know it i'm not going to be able to pass this would i rather look like a jabron by saying no i don't want any researchers here or and have at least some still maybe like well, maybe it's right. legit or have proven that I'm full of it. You know what yeah, I mean? no, you're right. Like the, the amazing James Randi, that guy that We're talk offered, about him. Really? Okay, yes. that makes sense because he was mm-hmm. one of the first things that sprang to mind. Yeah. He would have people on. They'd be like, ah, it's just not coming to me, James. And he'd be yeah. like, 
All right. Well, but it sure. still kept the mystique alive. Yeah. You know, because otherwise he'd just be like, yeah, there's a string. There's a right. string right there. Exactly. If you're not like fully copping to it, you could always just be like, well, you know what? Like your skeptical energy is messing with my radio waves. And of right. course it's not going to happen because you're putting everything off. Although I do like to imagine myself trying to pull off the, the suspending scissors trick with a string. Yeah. And like James Randi's like, I can see the string. I'm like, no, you can't. No. No. And every time the camera cuts yeah. back to me, I'm sweatier and sweatier. <laughs> Also, it's been like a, a tough string. Yeah. Um, because if she was balancing scissors on it, like I imagine that, that, well, I guess you could have it. I was about to say, like, if it was the sharp side, like, I know. A dangerous game. It is a dangerous here. game. So I guess it must have been balanced on the other side of yeah. it. Yeah. But for back in the day, in the early 1900s, my, what a strong piece of, of twine. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know? Well, you know what they say, you know, post war twine was the it best was the twine. Best. We've never gotten back there. Durable, the tensile strength on mm-hmm. post-war twine. You wouldn't believe it. Incredible. Today, you could you could hang your grandpa. Off. <laughs> you just hold on to the string and hang him off the side of a bridge. I couldn't even hang a paperclip off of the twine we have today. <laughs> <laughs> I say it. How many times have I told you? Modern twine yeah. is just not up to snuff. It's the pits. Twine probably isn't the right word. Twine is inherently thick. No, I get in trouble in this household for referring to things as like string and twine. Like what? Because Allie's a knitter, so she'll be like, Uh it's, I can't think of what it is. Yarn? Yarn? Is it just yarn? Do I call yarn string? Oh, you call yarn string. Something like that. Let's move on. (laughs) I don't want to get in trouble. Your string is all over the floor. She could be listening. I don't want to get in trouble. (laughs) She's in New York right now, but somewhere her ears are burning. Yeah. Do you call it string again? Are you kidding me? And then some of the strings are going to come down the stairs because she has telekinesis. Oh, my God. It's going to wrap all around your head oh while no. I just sit and scream and do nothing. Is it the grudge or the ring where people just start finding hair in their mouth? Ew, I think it's... <laughs> finding yarn. I think it's the ring. Yeah. I'm not sure because it's like Samara's long hair maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. I think you could be thinking of the grudge because she's in the shower and she feels her hair and then the mouth is... It's a mouth, right? Or is I it think a it's fist? a fist. Yeah. Oh, God. Barf. Oh, it's so gross. Ugh. Okay. So here are some other famous claims of telekinesis. Yes. Um, It seems like it was very hot for a while, from like the 70s to 90s, to claim that he had telekinetic powers. It was maybe like a reboot of the spiritualist movement in some sort of slight way, at least in a showy way. Because people were going on TV or just getting kind of famous in their local towns, talking about how they can move things with their minds. So there was a Russian psychic whose name was... Ala Vinogradova, who said she could move objects with her mind over acrylic or plexiglass surfaces, which is red flag number one. That is a very specific thing. Very specific. Like, How do you find be, out you can do that? Right. Like, you, it can only be this kind of surface, and then your powers click in. Yeah. Like, what's the deal? I, I guess maybe I'm making this up. Maybe she was like, well, it's very, very smooth. Other surfaces are porous or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but when she was observed by parapsychologists, they noticed her doing things to the objects before she would move them with her mind. So there was like an aluminum tube, a metal tube that she was supposed to move, and she rubbed it before she put it down. Um, then they also noticed her combing her hair and rubbing her hands on the surface that she was moving something on before she was going to move it. And so they concluded that she was generating static electricity yeah. so that these things would move. And so one of the parapsychologists was able to replicate her power 
by doing the same thing. Yeah, not so much telekinesis as yeah. a really boring episode of Mr. Wizard. Yeah, oh my God, Mr. Wizard, I totally forgot about Yeah, that. just rubbing a balloon on your face. <laughs> yeah. Call it a day. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, that was what she did. Um, and then here is a biggie. So I, I'm pretty sure you've heard of this or seen this, and maybe some of our listeners or viewers have. There was a guy named James Heydrich who had a lot of interaction with um, with James, James Randi. Randy. So let me talk about who James Randi is just in case anybody doesn't know. James Randi is all over these fools who are claiming to have telekinesis when they don't actually. He was a magician who became a famous investigator, and he specifically referred to himself as an investigator over skeptic or debunker because he felt those were inherently like negative and killjoy-y. And even though he's disproving a lot of these things, <coughs> he wasn't just trying to be a grump and be like, no, you're not. He was genuinely somebody who was skilled in the sleight of hand these people are exhibiting and passing it off as power yeah. and wasn't into that, which is totally legit. And he's pretty awesome. And um, he became famous when he offered $10,000 to anyone. I think it went up later. It went up to $1 million. Yeah, but it started as 10000 to anybody who could definitively prove psychic phenomena to him. Yeah. So then enter this guy, James Heydrich. So he got local fame for his telekinetic abilities first. And then he went on the TV show That's Incredible to show them off. So when he went on, he went by the stage name Sum Chai, and he said that he had honed his ability through work with an ancient Chinese master. He was wearing martial arts gear, and he made a lot of dramatic, like, martial arts sort of gestures. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does this ring a bell or anything? I, I'm wondering if I've seen this. Okay. Yeah. So he had a lot of showmanship to him, which, you know, could kind of come into play because maybe he's trying to distract <clears throat> from something, yes. possibly. That's something that, that I posit a little bit. Um, so his tricks that he did on the show were that he made the pages of a phone book turn yes, or kind of move this. and like dance. Uh -huh. I thought so. And he could also make a pencil move. Yeah. Um, at one point, <laughs> the host of the show, whose name is John Davidson, he said that he could hear him blowing <laughs> to make this stuff move. That's great. But. Davidson covered his mouth, covered Hydrick's mouth with his hand to prevent him from being able to do that. And he was able to do it again. What? Somehow. I know. That's an outlier for me. I don't know what's going on. That is not what I saw in the video. I think I've seen this several times. Well, there's something else. You may have seen him on um, the show with James Randi later. Okay. He went on What's My Line with yeah. Bob Barker. So I think you might be thinking of that. Okay. This was the show that caught Randy's attention this first thing. Gotcha. So I don't know if the host of the show maybe like, Made a little peaky. <laughs> His fingers Maybe. don't entirely. Maybe there's a window. <laughs> it's because... like when you cover your eyes, but you kind of. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't know how he did that then. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. I know. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, James Randy saw that and he called BS. He and Hydrick went on What's My Line with Bob Barker. And Hydrick was to be put to the test. And there's like a panel of judges on this show. Sorry. Real Please. quick theory. Yeah. It made for good television. Oh, yeah. That's all. That's why they did it. Yeah. So he covered the guy's mouth, and they mm -hmm. just had it be done the other way. The host had to have been in on it, obviously. But they they must have discussed it ahead of time and been oh, like, yeah. so you'll do the thing. And then you know what I'll say? I'll go, I can tell you're breathing or whatever, and then I'll cover your mouth, and then you just do it again. Yes. Because that'll make for great TV. For sure. That's it's what entertainment. I'm saying. I don't, I don't think he accidentally had a gap. I think that it was all planned. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I think yeah. it's exactly what you just said. Um, so then when he's on What's My Line, there's like a panel of judges plus James Randi, and it's all like, it's serious, like, you do your thing, 
and then we are going to kind of like put some controls in place right. to see if this is legit. So again, Hydric comes on and he does the te- the trick with the pencils and the phone book again. And then it's time for James Randy to come in and add some parameters and some controls that might be able to prove or disprove this thing. So Randy said the pencil trick was too hard to control. He couldn't really come up with something that would prove or disprove that. So they decided to let that go. But for the phone book thing... What he did was they put the phone book down like the guy would always have it. And then Randy sprinkled little pieces of styrofoam around it. He said they were, he called them plastic particles, but they were basically styrofoam saying that, because his thought was that you're using your breath to do these things. So he said, if you are using your breath, then these are going to move while you're, you know, trying to move the page. And if you're not using your breath and you're just moving your mind, these things won't matter. So it's almost like a fence yeah. around it, basically. Uh, but you're just and moving if, the page. Exactly. So what's the difference if there's a fence? Why should anything between the page and you move? Yep, yeah. exactly. And so he said if he's able to move the page without moving those plastic particles, then you give Hydric the $10,000 that he had been carrying with him for years doing these things, and he will get it. So it said that it was cut for TV, obviously, because Heydrich apparently sat in front of the book for 90 minutes, making dramatic hand movements and just staring. Now, I wonder if 90 minutes, 90 minutes. I'm surprised they let him go on for that long. If that's the truth, you know, who knows? I wonder if the hand was besides being just kind of like classic sort of sleight of hand. I'm doing something while you're looking away or whatever. I wonder if he could have been hoping that the hand movements would move. This like he could blame it moving on the hand movements or something. You know what I mean? Like if he's oh. blowing, he's doing this at the same time. Like he'd be like, "Oh well, I did move it with my mind, but my hand must have moved it. But I need the hand movement in order to get this power going." Right. I'm just picturing Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You know, like he just does those like little chops. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be cool. He's talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's just staring, and I'm sure in his mind, like panicking and being like, oh my God. Like, can you imagine 90 minutes the longer this goes on? So long. I'm sure he, he didn't want to give in and like right. admit anything. He must have thought that he was going to pull one over right, on James Randi. Yeah. No, to even sign up in the first place. He oh. Maybe he hadn't seen the show before. Oh. Maybe he didn't know that James Randi was going to complicate. Oh, the maybe. trick. So maybe. he must have been at that point like, well, I'm in deep. Yeah, right. What am I going to do? Right. I guess just air chop and hope. Yes. Even, <laughs> though, even though he was obviously moving with the chopping, essentially being frozen for 90 minutes, just like, oh, God. By oh, the one God. hour mark, he must have been like, I hope yeah. the power goes out. I hope. <laughs> maybe I'll just die. I hope there's a storm. Yeah. Maybe I'll have a heart attack. Because <laughs> I'm not willing to stop. I can't. I can't stop. I stake my reputation I'm in on way this. Too deep. I'm some chai. <laughs> I'm in deep, baby. Yeah. I'm going nowhere. Dancing and chopping and just thinking, I wish I had never made this my job. Yeah. Why did I do this? I look like a fool. Just chopping. Oh no. Mama, look at your boy. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> How did he survive? Nightmarish. That I would, don't know. I would, I would prune up. I would turn into oh. a little raisin from embarrassment. Absolutely. Shrivel and die. Completely. Like all the water would drain out of my body. Horrible. My face would be so red. All the water would literally drain out of my body as my karate pants get a conspicuous wet spot at the front. I want to go home, Mr. Randy. 
<laughs> Mr. Randy. Just dancing let, off stage. Let me go. Shop, and as you're gradually moving to the left further and further until you're just off stage. Quiet narration yeah. where it's like, well, he's still trying, but it, he appears to be upset. I think those are tears. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I guess he made something move. Did you check the front of his kimono? <laughs> Oh, the humanity. Did you check? <laughs> Did you check the Oops. front of his kimono? <laughs> so finally, finally he submits. He gave up. He told the he told Barker and Randy that the pieces of styrofoam were causing static electricity that was keeping the pages down. Took him 90 minutes to think of it, yeah. but that's not bad. It's not terrible. Yeah, because they are they're static and maybe something's happening that's yes. weighing the very thin pages of a of a phone book down. Yes, well done. Yeah. Wonderful lie. Not a bad way to wiggle out. So he eventually gave up. However, he confessed later that year in an interview that it was his breath. <laughs> that he was full of beans. That's great. And he said that he did it. Simultaneously, because he wanted to be known, he wanted to be famous, and to, because he wanted to see how dumb America and the world really were. Whoa. So he had kind of a chip on his shoulder because he couldn't read or write. And by tricking everybody, it was kind of like a statement on intelligence. Yeah, like, I'm better I can't than you. Right, but I've got this on you. Now, this guy, this was not my kind of guy. No. This is not a good guy. Yikes. So he claimed that he had honed his breathing technique while he was in solitary confinement for a year and a half, um, which the interviewers couldn't – they ended this thing with a disclaimer that they couldn't verify any of his claims I'm about to say. However, from separate research, I know that he really did go to prison. Well, it's not that separate research. I went to my own horn too much. This interview concludes with him in prison for real. They like finished up their talk with him while he's in prison that um, he was there for receiving stolen guns. Yeah. Then he left prison. Then he went back in for molestation like oh. years later. He was there for a very long time because it was really bad. And now he's still alive, but he's in a state psychiatric facility. Oh, wow. Um, but here's what he said about oh. his supposed time in solitary confinement that isn't verified. Those things I just said are verified. This bout in solitary is not verified. But this is what he had to say. Um, he said that he honed it while he was in solitary and that while he was in prison overall, after learning this trick, he converted inmates and prison guards to Christianity by doing these tricks with Bible pages. Because he would tell them that he was like moving them with his mind or whatever, that the spirit was moving or something like that. Wow. He also said that he has been approached by Sirhan Sirhan, um, who, uh, uh, what's his name? Assassinated um, Robert F. Kennedy. It's Robert F. Kennedy, right? Yeah, RFK. Okay, thank you. Um, and others about leading cults to brainwash people. They offered this to him, but he declined. So this guy is like a lot going troubled on. And, and shady kind of all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like I can't talk about this topic without mentioning Yuri Geller. Sure. Yep. Who is a very famous uh, telekinetic artist, I guess you could say, and who also had interaction with James Rainey in a big way. So Yuri Geller famously went on a lot of talk shows bending spoons. And James Randi exposed him doing the tricks himself. He would like travel around and just bend spoons, bend keys, do all the things that that Yuri Geller said he was doing, and just be like, "This is how you do it. This is how he's doing it. Whatever." Um, it basically involves quick sleight of hand and kind of talking while you're doing a thing. And like he shows video of Yuri <laughs> Geller doing, 
he's like, right there, look, he he's bending it with his hand before he brings it up or whatever. Um, and James Randi even wrote a whole book called The Truth About Yuri Geller. And Yuri Geller sued him over it, lost the case, and had to pay Randy's legal fees. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> it is sad. But William, if you remember, I talked about this on the show. This was a mini monster. I'm sorry to do this to you guys. I don't remember which episode it's in, oh. which is annoying. I'm sorry. Um, but I did a mini monster about the Stargate program, which I had learned about. That was a program um, that the government had addressing like paranormal things. And Yuri Geller was involved in that um, where he produced good results having um, doing what's it called automatic. It's not automatic writing. God, I'm being the worst right now. He would, oh man, remote viewing. That's what it is. Remote viewing. Okay. Oh yeah. You yes, I remember this. Yes. Yeah, sorry, guys. It was very segmented just now. So what they did was that they would have Geller in one room, wrong one room to start. They kind of started getting further and further away to test it more and more. They would have him in one room, and they would have a government agent in the next room, and they would tell and give them both sheets of paper. They would say to the government agent in the re- next room, kind of like a prompt word. Um, so one of them was bunch, they said to the government agent. And so the government agent starts drawing on the page and they just tell Yuri like, okay, he's drawn, he's drawn it or he's drawing, go ahead now and not give him any other thing. It's just like, he's in the midst of drawing. So you would think about it and then try to draw the same thing. Yeah. So for that one specifically, they said bunch, the government agent, he starts drawing a bunch of grapes. Yuri Geller starts drawing a bunch of grapes. Right. So there were a bunch of things like that, a um, bunch, <laughs> um, and they started doing them further and further apart. So then they increased to a half mile away drawing something. Then they enlisted somebody on the East Coast to draw something while they're on the West Coast. He drew it out. And so he was having a lot of success with this in a controlled, like, government CIA environment. He also – there were some things that he didn't get. Yeah. But a lot that he did. Um, one of them that they did was they had a computer randomly generate an image and had him well out of eyesight. Like, it was, like, 150 feet away, I think they said. And he was, like, around a corner at, like, a cubicle. The computer generated a kite. He drew a kite. Like, very, very weird. I'm going to reveal something that I think I've revealed before. Yeah. <clears throat> But I think it's unusual. Mm -hmm. I don't have many beliefs that are like spiritual, whatever. Mm -hmm. I do, but whatever. Uh, One of the things that I think I I believe in and and is unconventional is Mm -hmm. that I I definitely believe in some sort of um, uh, a guiding hand. Mm-hmm. That like the reasons that well for we you and I are a good example. Yeah. The reasons why you and I do a show where we sit down and talk to each other and to a bunch of viewers and listeners isn't a mistake. Mm-hmm. Like there are facts about who we are as people that make us feel like natural performers. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. Maybe we used to entertain our friends, and so there's a snowball effect that eventually leads to we fancy ourselves entertainers. Yeah. Literally, we provide mm-hmm. entertainment, do shows. Right. Um, I don't. Maybe it's not a mistake that Yuri Geller, who's proven to be a phony spoon bender, uh-huh. uh, thinks of himself as being something of a psychic. Yeah. Maybe he's got a little uh, a voice in the back of his head mm-hmm. that provides him information. Maybe most of the time it happens subconsciously. Yeah. But just like people who like become like I was not born to be a, a long distance runner. Mm-hmm. 
even a short distance runner, <laughs> but like even much of a walker. Exactly. But like we talked about, like in the episode where we talked about human superpowers, that there are some people whose muscles are just right. naturally, you know, stronger, quicker, whatever. And is it that they become runners because yeah. their muscles were that way or can anyone do that? And they just honed the and skill. And their muscles became that way because yeah. of that. Yeah. It's a little chicken or the egg ish, yes. but maybe he became something of a phony mm-hmm. uh, psychic because he actually has some psychic ability. Yes. That's kind of what I think. I wonder if he has some psychic ability because these are pretty compelling studies and either consciously was like, well, there's more, there's not as much razzle dazzle to this. Like, what if I come up with something like he got the idea because he does have this, but this isn't really that marketable. Right. Like how many times are you going to watch a guy like draw a bunch of grapes or whatever? Yeah, exactly. But like tangibly bending an item that's not bendable, like that's kind of within the same realm of interest for him, Uh but is more marketable. Yeah. So, but then he kind of taints all of his maybe powers by this false one that he decided to make the forefront of his whole thing. Yeah. So it's, totally agreed. It's, it's weird. It is weird. So um, what they wrote in the report is that as a result of Geller's success in this experimental period, we consider that he has demonstrated his paranormal perceptual ability in a convincing and unambiguous manner. Wow. So who's to say whether he belongs more in the ranks of like early spiritualist scammers or real deal telekinesis rock stars like Carrie, Jean Grey, and Matilda? <laughs> Matilda. Wow. Right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. I also do want to uh, uh, say, just play mm-hmm. devil's advocate, mm-hmm. that just because something was done and like proven by the government doesn't mean it's legitimate. However, no, but it adds a, a certain amount of like legitimacy and seriousness. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm definitely more inclined to believe something that's like written down, not like take a total loss. That's been studied by people who should know how to do it the right way. Yes. Maybe exactly. they didn't. Maybe they didn't. But they should know how. Right. Yeah. That's fascinating. Right? That's very interesting. I know. Whoa. Ah, Kristen, Whoa. you're one of them. Can you see the thread? Do you see what we're doing, James Randi? Can you see the twine? Where's our check? Just so you know, I am holding a commemorative scream thing of popcorn, like a Jiffy Pop sort of thing, that has a metal hook at the top that I was pretending was invisible. You're like a modern day Penn and Teller revealing the secrets of how you do it. (laughs) I'm um, the masked magician. Yep. This is our butter's cream. Yeah. Scream whatever. Here, let it float back. I paid money for that. (laughs) All right. Anyway. Anyway. Good God. Uh, My turn. Yes. So as you mentioned, mine is also something timely, also something that you can have a cinematic experience with. That's right. And many people have Mm -hmm. over the course of the past 50 years. 60? 65 years. Yeah. Godzilla. Yep. Too scary. I'm going to talk about Godzilla. Yep. Yeah. Before we started, so I screwed up and I showed Kristen what my topic was. And she goes- we were trying to figure out our technical difficulties that came up on the screen. And she goes, ugh, I don't like Godzilla. (laughs) And I thought she was going to be like, yeah, those movies suck. But she goes, he's too tall. Yeah. <laughs> what? He's too huge. What a freak show. He's overwhelming. <laughs> thing to say. Watching the trailers for this new Godzilla movie that come up before the movies in the actual theater, like on an IMAX screen, yeah. make me feel small and bad. I don't like it at all. Yeah. Uh, he's too- I-, <laughs> I don't like Godzilla. He's too tall. 
it freaks me out. I can't remember if I said it on, you know, on tape or whatever, if we were just talking about it. But I think that to people who don't like horror movies, like yeah. who, that they scare, their horror movies really scare them. Horror movies to them is Godzilla to me. It genuinely, I can't take it. Godzilla and um, natural disaster movies besides Twister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Godzilla is Love today Twister. treated like a natural disaster yes. movie. I'm going to go through it, but Godzilla has been a metaphor for a lot of things mm. in the world. Um, it started as a sort of metaphor for um, nuclear war. Uh-huh. It was seen... Nuclear. Oh, sorry, nuclear. Yeah. yeah, I hate it when people pronounce it nuclear. Me too. Nuclear, I should say. <laughs> um uh, uh, people like the original story was that Godzilla was a creature that was uh, awakened uh-huh. by nuclear testing. Yeah, and it's essentially a response to the bombing of uh, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh huh. Um, and yeah. something originally Godzilla was That's also something of a metaphor for the United States. The yeah. original movie came out in 1954, so it is a post World War II story, and so it was this monolithic, terrible figure that you can't do anything right. to defend yourself against. That's what freaks me out. That is, and that is, I think that's what a fascinating thing, especially yeah. like for uh, an American perspective about a creature that, to me, for my whole life, Godzilla has been nothing but a fun creature mm-hmm. and a, a, a horror icon, a yeah. monster film icon. It's a, a a metaphor about what our like government. Yeah. Did, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just That's wild. interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, before I really get into it, what. Um, what do you think you know about Godzilla? Not all that much. I mean, I one of my early screenings was Kristen versus Mothra. Oh, that's right. So interesting that I kind of put myself in the position of Godzilla, maybe to lessen his hold over me. Maybe. Let's bring him down to my level. Yes. Um, I, you know, no, I mean, just that he's a giant, like, lizard monster. Okay. I think he's Japanese. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, we just about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know that much beyond that. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you what I knew. I'm going to do this in kind of an unusual way. I'm going to tell you what I knew about Godzilla before I started doing my research. Okay. Because I I fancy myself somebody who like knows a good amount about pop culture for sure, but also specifically horror yeah. culture. Um, however, Godzilla's a big blank spot for me. Oh, I think of him as... I guess he is, but I... I don't know. I never really thought of him as horror. Yeah, it's it's uh uh well there. It to makes me, sense. He's a monster. He's a monster to me. Like horror is like a spectrum of things, yeah. especially being for the fifties. Godzilla mm-hmm. fits pretty cleanly yeah, in the fifties right. idea of horror, where like horror is uh uh in that era primarily about people in laboratories. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like yeah. there will be yeah something out there. There's some ooze. There's some attack. There's some something going on and like with radiation most right. likely. But the most of the movie is a bunch of people in white lab coats in a lab looking at dials and be like, we can't do this. Yeah. Like that's what horror was in the 50s. You're totally um, right. So it's just maybe it's not scary by today's standards, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's 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 horror history. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, before I really dug into it, uh, this is really all I knew about Godzilla. Gigantic lizard monster, but not a dinosaur. Right. Um uh, 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 you know, walks on two feet, has the teeny front legs. Yep. A lot of it's kind of like a, a T Rex. It can shoot fire. I never thought before. You never see Godzilla on four, on four on legs. On four that legs, walking around. Weird. That would look really strange. That would be 
that would be kind of interesting to see. That would be yeah. scary. Yes, because it would be unsettling because it's such an icon. Godzilla Clamoring. is so iconic. Yeah. To see him in a different way would be unsettling and scary. It would be spooky. It'd be like a, some sort of he like an insectoid. Still, yes. Yeah. He would still do some weird dam like real damage that oh, way. Yeah. I picture him kind of having like twinkle toes. Yes, in front, that's what I'm thinking you know? too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got those teeny tiny little yeah. arms. Um That's a good idea. Yeah. Great idea. Kristen, <laughs> copyright your idea for Godzilla standing a different way. I'm going to have an article in Variety after my movie is out and be like, you know, it's the funniest thing. I actually didn't like Godzilla. I thought he was too tall. So what I did was I brought him down. Uh, I, we should have like a fake, a fake like entertainment website and there should be a photo of you sitting like a d- director's chair. Yeah. Like how I fixed Godzilla. Yeah. Um, I brought him down to my level. That's right. <laughs> Um, I had a Godzilla comic when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have all these comic books. Yeah. Most of them are hidden, but like dad bought me a bunch of comics where he literally just went on eBay and looked up. I think he just typed in like bunch of comics. Sure. Go yes. 70 bucks for 500 comics. Oh, great. Who cares what they are? Just buy them. Yeah, and absolutely. And pick up if possible and bring your kids to some rando's house to get them. Yeah, some random house or like a freaky deaky warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, remember those little books? Yeah. Yeah. I loved those. I did too, but yeah. I did not like going to the guy's house to pick them up. No. <laughs> and then he'd buy me all this stuff I didn't want. And then yeah. he'd go, all right, well, it was 70 bucks. So I guess we'll be mowing the lawn for free for a couple months. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, what are you talking about? I didn't want, I still have never read the, the comics he bought me. Twisted animal. Is he, Did he read them? No, no. Yeah, I know. It's about acquisition. No, no, no. Well, it's about acquisition, but also dad always wanted us to have some kind of hobby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you like anything? Would you try some other stuff? Do you TV, like anything? Movies. What, does anything stick with you? <laughs> anything. Nope. He tried. Yes. Yes, Me mom and mom and tried really hard to get us to like stuff. They did. Well, we got a hobby now. Yeah, yeah, we most certainly do. Yeah, yeah. I honestly, really stuck with I it. think frequently about going back to these comics. I have no idea what kind of spooky stuff might be in there. Yeah. Anyway, I had this one Godzilla book that I actually found really interesting. And it was like, it was written in both English and Japanese. And there was one particular page. It was like a one page full thing of Godzilla looking down at you. He was just towering above you. And I thought it was, for whatever reason, I was transfixed by it. And I would pick up that book probably every month Mm -hmm. just to flip back to that page and look at it. It was such incredible art. I really want to go back through my uh, my weirdo collection here to see if I can find it. Well, weirdly, the thing I just pulled out was an X-Men comic. Oh, that's weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, Huh. Dad? How about that? Papa? (laughs) Um, But the other thing that came out in uh, the history of Godzilla that was really big was the 1998 movie. Hell yeah. Which I think. Hear my cry, hear my call. Oh, let me your ears. (laughs) I don't think people in the 90s could avoid that movie. So I'm not patting myself on the back. For whatever reason, that was a significant cultural moment in my life yeah. when that movie came out. I do not know how many times I have watched Godzilla 1998. I don't think I realized that. Oh, yeah. Huh. <coughs> I think we owned multiple copies of the movies. Yes. I think I owned the soundtrack on cassette and CD. Well, you got to make sure that if your cassette player dies, you can still listen on CD. Yeah, I guess. It's like not having the president and the vice president in the same plane. 
Yeah, exactly. Or or like yeah. not owning the, the all four Scream movies yeah. on iTunes, Google right. Play, Blu-ray, DVD, and VHS. It's just safe. It's just safe to have a backup of a backup of a backup of a backup of a backup. Of a backup. Anyway, I would say even having been fascinated by the 1998 Godzilla movie, I didn't know anything yeah. about where this creature came from, what the original story was, mm-hmm. uh, any of its history. Um, and uh, the reason I'm doing this topic today is because there's a new movie out in theaters right now called Godzilla King of the Monsters. Side note, featuring my beloved Bradley Whitford. Mm-hmm. More about Bradley Whitford in the next month two months something like that i'll have more to say about bradley whitford soon um uh uh, so anyway i dug into the history of godzilla good so this is broken into a few different what are you doing james hydrick moves now doing some chops mama's doing some chops mama look at your boy (laughs) i'll be doing this for the next 90 minutes chop chop uh, here's the history of the character of Godzilla. I'm going to do a lot of production stuff too, okay. but this is all st- supposed to be stuff about what Godzilla, the big monster, is, what it does, okay. stuff like that. Hear my cry, hear my call. Now, it's really hard to parse out anything about the character because, uh, spoiler alert, it's been in a ton of movies. Yeah. Guess how many movies oh, there no are idea. about Godzilla. Guess. Make a 40. guess. 40. Okay. Okay. You know what? You're very, very nearly at the right really? number. Yeah. 35. Wow. There are 35 yeah. Godzilla movies. <clears throat> and so across all those films, sometimes it has certain traits. Sometimes it has others. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a male. Sometimes it's a female. Sometimes it's like genderless. Did I put like a little bow on her when she's a girl? <laughs> <laughs> Pac-Man? Uh, no, but I will tell you the 1998 movie like centers around the fact that Godzilla is female and they Does get she have like- long eyelashes? Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> like winking at yeah at Ferris Bueller, um, no, but they like give her a pregnancy test. Remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, Weird. it's it's really yeah strange. Uh, anyway, but here are some of the common traits that are typically shared across all of them. Mm-hmm. That the the fire breath. I thought screw that. It's atomic heat breath. Everything about Godzilla is, is centered around nuclear. Yeah, huh. atomic energy. It is a walking atom bomb. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. So it can generate nuclear energy inside its body and then unleash it from its jaws in the form of a blue or red radioactive beam. Cool. Godzilla can breathe underwater, and in the original movie, it's described as a, a, a reptile that is transitioning between being a marine and a terrestrial creature. Hmm. So it is both a uh, 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 it's more primary to the primary to the ocean like it sleeps in yeah. the ocean uh, but it can walk on land obviously all that stuff so it's mm-hmm. it's uh, that's some of its crocodile type aspect yeah. uh, it can regenerate mm-hmm. so that way like if you try to blow it up or whatever it may need to rest for a while but it'll come back healed. yeah uh, sometimes it has other powers such as atomic pulse not sure what that Does means that mean, yeah I don't know. I don't think it's like the pulse of its like wrist. I think it's like some sort of like a wave pulse. Oh, like, okay, that makes get out more of the sense. aura yeah, yeah, yeah. of Godzilla. Okay, magnetism. Okay, precognition. Oh, you can see what you uh, are about to do. Fireballs, electric bite. Okay, so weird to me. Superhuman speed. Well, Godzilla has <laughs> superhuman speed. Yeah, I would think he's. He's superhuman, I suppose, if My you're God. outside human. That 200-foot-tall lizard yeah. moves faster than any man I know. So <laughs> we're way to put it. Is Godzilla, does he want to hurt us? Or is it like with Jurassic Park where you're like, these guys aren't 
enemies that we have to fight. They're just trying to live their lives. You know what I mean? It's it's well, I think it's changed in the modern day mm. to a certain extent. Um, Godzilla is a reaction to us. Okay. So it is, it predates us mm -hmm. and we annoy the hell out of it. Okay. So it does want to hurt us. It doesn't so much want to hurt us as it wants to say back off. Okay. Like, it's not personal. Exactly, it's not personal. But... No, no, no. It's not here to kill humans or yeah. anything like that. It's more like you woke me up. Mm -hmm. What are you? And now you're shooting me. Yeah. Yeah, he's reacting. Sit down. Yeah. Yeah, that's gotcha. that's more what it's about. Okay. And then uh, in a lot of movies, it'll be like there's another creature yes. that's killing humans. So Godzilla beats it, not to protect the humans, but because it's like a common enemy. Okay. So we happen to be aligned with Godzilla sometimes, but he's not really our protector. I think in this He just movie, also has foes. That's what he's doing, right? There's like a big bad guy, like monster or whatever. Right. And so they kind of wake up Godzilla or something. That's what I got from the trailers. Yeah. I have not seen it yet. Right. Um, I honestly, uh, 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 because I have the AMC A-list, mm -hmm. whatever, Yeah. Um, I asked Allie if she wants to see it. She said no, so I will be seeing it alone someday. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, uh, Kristen's husband, Ryan, came over yesterday. Uh, we were we were shooting the ish for a couple yep. seconds, and he was like, "All right, well, I'm gonna go see Aladdin alone now." <laughs> I went, "Why?" And he goes, "Because Kristen said she won't see it with me." So Kristen was home, yeah. perhaps free. No, I was I was working. Oh, you were working. Yes. All right, I asked Ryan. I was like, "Could she go?" And he was like, "I think she could." I mean, you know, I could. She was maybe. working, but she probably could have gone. And I'm like, so she, but she just refused to see it. So you're gonna have to go see it alone. He's <laughs> he like, left early. He left early. He did. Yeah. I yeah. told him to text me. <laughs> <clears throat> I wanted to know. Anyway, I might be doing the same thing yeah. with uh, Godzilla. I love a solo I movie. I really want to see, honestly. You want to see Bradley Whitford? I want to see Bradley Whitford. I, I mean, that's a decent reason. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, he's great. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, da, 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 da. so it doesn't eat people either. It's mm -hmm. not like uh, one of the primary goals of Godzilla is to munch, munch, munch yeah. on people. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Um Godzilla basically feeds on radiation. Mm -hmm. uh, and okay. and uh, Sidebar also has an omnivorous diet. Okay. So that doesn't help things, but... Yeah. But it doesn't want to eat us, really. It's Right. It's just kind of like, shut up. Yeah. Stupid humans. Yeah. yeah. Flicking us away like flies, but when when Godzilla does it, it's a lot more intense. Exactly. Yeah. So um, the movie that's out right now, Godzilla King of Monsters, is actually a sequel. There was a Godzilla movie that came out in 2014 with Brian Cranston. Oh. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I didn't see that one either. Yeah, I didn't see that. Uh, but I have a quote here from Eric Adal, one of the uh, the sound designers from that movie, sound editors, who said something that I think um, uh, might might sound like I'm mocking this. Mm -hmm. I really like this. I uh, 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 I have a lot of respect for sound editors. Yeah. Um, so Eric Adal described the iconic roar that Godzilla has mm -hmm. as having two tones. Uh, there's like a high voice, like a high-pitched whale, and sort of a more bassy kind of thing. Like Jiminy Glick. Yeah, he goes really yeah. high, and then he goes really low. <laughs> so, yeah, he's from the Jiminy Glick school. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Um, anyway, he described that sound uh, as conveying two emotions, complete fury, and the other one carries more of his soul. It's uh -huh. more emotional. Hmm. And man That's cool yeah it's it's mm. this creature at this point had been around for 60 years almost on the dot right uh and somebody came out with that line about what that scream meant yeah. all the way back to the original and it feels like it retroactively means a lot that uh -huh. that is a, a character a creature that has 
a sort of uh, a more emotional core than you would realize. Yeah. And of course, is like a, a wrathful, raging, right? You know, atomic emotions. Yeah. All right. In there. So let's talk about uh, some of the production stuff. Cool. I, I picked out just kind of like fun facts yeah. that I thought were particularly cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, way back in the 50s, they're talking about making a big monster movie. What are we going to do with it? One of the producers started to try to outline ideas. They were really inspired by um, King Kong mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like 20,000 Leagues Under, Under the, the sea. sea or whatever it's called, like yep. the giant squid kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the original outline that they – put together was called the giant monster from 20,000 leagues under the sea. <laughs> That's awesome. It's just fun. Yeah. You know, they didn't plan yeah, that didn't... to be the real name. Right, they just, but it's just the placeholder. It's just the yeah. placeholder. The company is called Toho. Uh, uh, and I thought that this was interesting because Godzilla and King Kong are so synonymous. Actually, uh, next year, it's already been shot, directed by Adam Wingard, uh, director of yeah. Blair Witch. Um, he uh, uh, already shot uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh. Oh, wow. Already filmed, and it's coming out in March. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. It won't be the first time Yeah. the two titans have met. <laughs> but I also – I like this kind of thing because I I think of them – pop culture is not uh, chronological yeah. anymore. It used to be like you you nobody needs to know the way that things were developed uh-huh. because right now I could watch the Godzilla movies out of sequence. I could watch them and then yeah. watch all the King Kongs and think, well, King Kong ripped off Godzilla. But really, right. Godzilla just... was inspired by King Kong, right. which I think is interesting. Yeah. Uh, in the original planning for Godzilla, the creature was described as a cross between – this is weird – a gorilla and a whale. Okay. Now, what I want to highlight in Not that – they hadn't gotten to the point yet, I guess, where they decided on a gigantic lizard. Yeah. But what I take from that, getting all the other aspects that we know about yes. Godzilla at this point, land and sea. True. They wanted something that comes that from the ocean. land and sea. Yeah. Yeah. And they found the right creature to do it. But they yeah. wanted they wanted their King Kong movie, mm-hmm. and they wanted their 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea movie. Yeah, you can see the way that comes together. And they found the, the marriage. Down. Yeah. Fascinating. That's cool. Yeah. I love the, the, the sort of math of that. Yeah. Um, to, it's to the point that – so we call the, the creature Godzilla. In Japan, the name for this creature is Gojira. Mm-hmm. Gojira is a portmanteau of the Japanese terms for gorilla and whale, which oh, are gorira cool. and kujira. So combine gorilla and whale and you get Gojira, which is yeah. Godzilla. That's cool. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. It's so clean. Yeah, it is. To like look back at how they ended up here and you can right. see all the little breadcrumbs. So why did they even call it Godzilla? Because that is so nice and clean. It's not like they were translating into Gorilla Whale. You know what I mean? Right. Like, why even make up a, a different name? Like, you know? Well, I don't know that they made up a different name. I think that it is the Americanized yeah. Name. It's it's what happened when they took Japanese films and tried to make them uh, like suit an American audience. Yeah. The name got altered. Uh-huh. I think it was a pronunciation thing. I'm going to point to a really goofy reference for this, but yeah. uh, that I used to make fun of. But now I wonder if it actually was a comment on what really happened with this character in the 1998 movie. Um, there is a a, a a ship that is destroyed by Godzilla, mm-hmm. and there's a film taken on that ship of an old man who is going, Gojira, Gojira, basically being like, we were attacked by this mythological creature. And then it's uh, broadcast on American news in New York City. And is it Harry Shearer? No. Uh, Whatever. It's one of the guys from The Simpsons. There are a lot of Simpsons performers in the 1998 movie. Hank Azaria is in it. 
And yeah, this news anchor whose name I can't think huh. of, but I definitely know it. Harry, Sh- Sh- did I already say I, Harry Shearer? Yeah. I mean, I think Harry Shearer is involved in The Simpsons. No? Is it him? It might be him. I think it is. Yeah. He, uh, he watches the footage and goes, the man is saying Godzilla. And then the creature uh, yeah. becomes known as Godzilla. But honestly, I'm wondering if that is the, in fact, the process yeah. that happened when the film was brought mm-hmm. over to America. That they could took very Gojira well be. and made Godzilla. It makes sense. Also, um, I, I don't know the name of the, the, the language, but there is a particular dialect where all the characters are based on phonetic sounds. Mm-hmm. So Gojira could have sort of like yeah. gotten altered over time to become Godzilla. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. It's the same syllables. It's the same. Yeah. yeah. It, might, it might just be a, a phonetic yeah. thing. Hmm, interesting. And it is Harry Shearer and Godzilla. It is? Yep. Oh, wow. Like in my mind's eye. Well, and he's also in The Simpsons. Yeah. A lot mm-hmm. of Simpsons-y stuff yeah. in that movie. It's, huh. it's really kind of madcap and cartoonish. Yeah. It did not do very well. Yeah. Um, hear my cry, hear my call. <laughs> let me hear your ears. See my fall. See my errors. Know my faults. Time halts. See my loss. See my loss. <laughs> As I say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's something that's 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 really interesting. Yeah. Godzilla's skin. Now, granted, he's a reptile, so he's meant to have sort of a, a, a you know, scaly yeah. kind of exterior. But also, when I picture Godzilla, what I think of is that his skin has this texture where it's like raised bumps. Mm-hmm. It's not literally scaly yeah. looking necessarily because, like, reptiles are, are sleek. Mm-hmm. Godzilla is like rocky yes. and bumpy looking. Mm-hmm. Check this out. The texture of its skin was inspired by the keloid scars seen on survivors of the bombing of Hiroshima. Oh, my God. How wow amazing is yeah. that? One, it's like you know a, a very disturbing reminder yeah. of of something that destroyed so many lives, right? Uh, but two, it's so tied into this emotional place yeah, that deep. Japan was in at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's it's amazing. And way to use something horrible. And transform it into something powerful. Yeah, like, know? like, right. And, and honestly, they created a monolithic character yeah, that yeah. they became known for. Yeah, that that swept the world by storm. You yeah. know, like, and and this is part of the fabric of its existence. That's super interesting. Yeah. Uh, so the basic design is very much based on d- dinosaurs, but specific dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Art director Akira Watanabe combined attributes of the T-Rex, Iguanodon, Stegosaurus, and alligators. That's why it walks on two feet, has little arms and spikes going all the way down its back, and goes from water to land. Yeah. The iconic roar of Godzilla was made by rubbing a resin-coated glove along the strings of an upright bass and then slowing down the sound. That's awesome. That's sweet. The original actor who played Godzilla, Haruo Nakajima, was a black belt and used his experience to choreograph the battles. Cool. Mm -hmm. The size of Godzilla has changed many times. Now, this is something that people usually point at in a movie and go like, continuity error. Now Godzilla is as big as a house. It wasn't before. It's like, well, but there's so much more thought that goes into it. This is a fascinating Mm -hmm. uh, 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 reason for why Godzilla is different sizes in different movies. In the original 1954 movie, Godzilla was 164 feet tall because they wanted him to be able to just barely peer over the largest buildings in Tokyo. By the 90s, Godzilla was 328 feet tall 
because of the growth of Japan and uh-huh. so many skyscrapers being erected, they didn't want him to be dwarf. Yeah. So Godzilla has to be bigger right. because the environment has changed. That's so sweet. Isn't that great? Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I really, really love it. Because they could always just kind of, I, I don't know, they could have explained that away somehow or, well, I guess. Or just not mention it. Yeah. But there was like a, a production, mm-hmm. a staging reason why it's like, well, Godzilla needs to be taller. Yeah, exactly. Because the the... The, the city is taller. They could pretend that the city isn't taller, yeah. but they decide to make it real. So that when you're looking at it, you're seeing the Japan that you actually live in or know of. Or they whatever. want to reflect your life and times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, uh, um, I forget, I forget where I first heard this, but there was somebody that was like, somebody complained about a movie having aged poorly uh-huh. or like, like it doesn't make sense today. Or and it's like, Somebody was like, yeah, but like horror movies in particular, I think um, you always need to understand the context of the time in which they were made. And I don't know if I uh, think that should be like uh, uh, cemented in law. No, but I think it's an interesting point. Yeah, I think all films are a product of their time. Yeah, I was about to say, I think that kind of applies to everything. Yes. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, but I do love the idea that these movies, as they were produced over the course of 60 years, right. they endlessly evolved because they had to reflect – the, the times. Yeah, the times of the people who are making it and who are going to see it. And the so physicality of the times. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's, it's especially like for a, a century, for right. the 20th century, obviously like everything expanded. Yeah. So, so rapidly and like so exponentially. Like yeah. skyscrapers got bigger. The right. world got bigger. And so Godzilla, so had, Godzilla to get had to get bigger. With it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Uh, all right, so Godzilla, uh, as a reflection of uh, uh, the use of nuclear weapons, he also represented the fear that a lot of Japanese citizens held about the atom, the sorry, the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, specifically the possibility of reoccurrence. Mm. It came, it went away. But right. What if it came back? Um, as the series progressed, so did Godzilla, changing into a less destructive and more heroic character, and the films became increasingly geared toward families and children. Hmm. Um, there are a lot of movies that were made and cartoons and stuff. Yeah, I can picture some cartoons. Godzilla is straight up a hero. Yeah. And not something that you should be disturbed by, but more like a fun... Yeah, he's a champion of the people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Godzilla became so common, became so big that a lot of people mistakenly believe that Godzilla belongs to all of us and he's mm-hmm. some sort of public domain character. And so he's been used in commercials, in trailers yeah, for does movies. Seem like that. He's like ubiquitous. Yeah, he's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but he is owned by Toho. Uh huh. And they will let you know when you are using his image incorrectly. Yeah. So, like, even somewhat recently, there was like a Subway commercial that referenced Godzilla and Toho was like, nope. Yeah. And there was an Anne Hathaway movie where she – it was like a monster movie. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? It was uh, her and Jason Sudeikis. She is able to become like a big kaiju monster somewhere. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's called or anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Toho came around because I guess they used an image of Godzilla. Yeah. They're like, no, you don't own this. Right. It's familiar to you. Yeah. But it's not in the, you know, the National Registry or whatever yeah, exactly. with the songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Godzilla inspired Steven Spielberg to make both Jaws and Jurassic Park. Makes sense. Again, yeah. water to land. Yeah. There's something about the I water to land is. thing. Steven Spielberg just divided it in half again. Yeah. Uh, in 2015, Tokyo named Godzilla an official 
cultural ambassador, with Shinjuku Mayor Kenichi Yoshizumi stating, Godzilla is a character that is the pride of Japan. Reporters noted that Shinjuku had been flattened by Godzilla in three movies. (laughs) That's really funny. Also, at the ceremony, uh, there was a guy in a Godzilla suit, but the rubber hands were never built to grasp stuff. So uh, the certificate he was awarded had to be handled by a Toho executive. (laughs) I would like to know how they found that out. Like, did they know that already? Or was the guy, like, grabbing for the certificate and he just, like, can't get it? You know what I mean? I like, like to think that they tried to hand it to him. Yeah, and, and just he fell. had to hold it with both hands. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. how did they learn this? Did they know this ahead of time? They're like, you know what? We forgot to build your suit with the capability to grab. Right. So this guy's going to get it. Or did he try to get it? It's like a dignified sort of presentation. But he's like, eh. Or is it like, eh. you know, like, don't don't hand things to me. Yeah. I'm above you, human. Yeah. Hand it to this man, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so the original horror uh, Godzilla films were horror movies mm-hmm. uh, featuring socio-political undertones relevant to Japan at the time. Uh, but in the future, they would eventually turn into family-friendly stuff, as I mentioned, and frequently giant Godzilla monster battles. Yes. All right. I'm yeah, gonna, I definitely think of battles. A lot of battles yeah. with Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go into some of the specific movies now. Uh, 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 we're going to start with the original. Okay. Where it all began. I'm going to spoil the original Godzilla right now from 1954. I think I have seen this, but when I was like a child, I don't think I have. Um, and the the, reading the plot on Wikipedia, which I've like condensed a bit here, Mm -hmm. sets it up as like, oh man, I I would really like to see this, but I'm going to spoil the entire movie right now. Okay. All right. Uh, a freighter has been destroyed and another ship is sent to investigate Mm -hmm. what happened. It also goes missing. Fishing catches drop to zero and an elder starts to, to blame an ancient sea creature known as Gojira. It's believed it has been awakened by underwater hydrogen bomb testing. Eventually 17 ships are lost at sea. There are a lot of human debates about what to do. Do we tell the public? Do we not? Godzilla starts to make itself known and fight back, and they go, do we kill it? Do we study it? What are we going to do? This is like the central element of the movie. It's it's the debate. Huh. Uh, They do fight it. They do defend themselves against it. Godzilla defends itself against their attacks, doing far more damage, destroying countless lives and buildings. Ultimately, there's a plan to use a, quote, oxygen destroyer. (laughs) Which will disintegrate right oxygen. I know. The yeah. same way that Godzilla is gorilla whale, oxygen destroyer. Oxygen destroyer. That's exactly what it is. Screw it. Yep. But it's also perfect for that 50s yes. uh, like time period where it's all about science. Totally. We're going to defeat this creature uh, uh, that is like a nucle- a walking nuclear warhead. Right. We're going to fight it by- with something that we cooked up in a lab. Yeah. It's the times. Yes. It's all about science. Um, but the man who created... Uh, the oxygen destroyer says, well, I built this. I designed this. But if we use this, all they're going to do is ask us to build more. Mm. And so, again, it's about like stopping the yeah. war to a certain extent. He doesn't want to do this. Ultimately, he loses the argument. Yeah. So he burns all his notes of how he made it. And he himself takes the oxygen destroyer to Godzilla to use it. Killing himself in the process of defeating Godzilla. Wow. And so he dies taking the secret of the oxygen destroyer with him to the grave. Wow. I, it's, 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 huh. 
a wonderful note for the movie to yeah. end on and a More really thoughtful than I would have thought. Incredibly thoughtful. I love the sort of um element of let's not continue to propagate war. Yeah. Something horrible has happened to us. Mm-hmm. But if we respond with more destruction. Right. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. Yeah. No one can know about the oxygen destroyer. Huh. I'm going to take That's it with cool. me. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, the movie ends on a note where uh, uh, they're worrying that if nucle- nuclear – sorry, nuclear. Yes, thank you. I keep saying nuclear. Yeah. Nuclear mm-hmm. weapon testing continues. Another Godzilla may someday rise. Yeah. Producer uh, Tomoyuki Tanaka said this. I love this. This mm-hmm. is an incredible – thing to have said the theme of the film from the beginning was the terror of the bomb mankind mankind had created the bomb and now nature was going to take revenge on mankind that's awesome that's a really awesome theory it's incredible um from there godzilla obviously as i mentioned 35 movies yeah fortunately the history of godzilla is not about each individual film yeah the history of godzilla is broken into eras Hmm. Uh, and the first one is called the Showa era, and it's from 1954 to 1975. The movies produced in this era, after that initial horror film, this initial sort of like cerebral, yeah, unusual, yeah, very cerebral sounding, very cerebral. Uh, it becomes all about slapstick wrestling with other monsters. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, they introduce King Go- uh, Ghidorah mm-hmm. and like Mothra. Yeah. All these like whacktastic other giant animals basically right. for Godzilla to fight. And they're basically big wrestling movies set in, you know, yeah. Japan knocking over buildings and stuff. Right. Um, then we get to the to the high sci era era from 1984 to 1995, where Toho did a bit of a reboot. Mm-hmm. We think of reboot culture today as being something that's moderately modern. Yeah. In uh, uh, 1984, Toho did a reboot with a movie called The Return of Godzilla, where they ignored all the sequels uh-huh. and just made a direct follow up to the original. So, like Halloween 2018. Or uh, uh, Terminator Dark Fate. Oh, yes. So many movies are doing that. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, it's incredible. 1984. So did it with Godzilla. Um, All the films in the high sci era, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Mm -hmm. um, are in continuity with each other. But Godzilla is considered scary again. And it's back to sort of moral panics and stuff. And a lot Uh of it is about genetics this time. So, again... The the metaphors that Godzilla means change. Yeah. Now he's not about nuclear war. Right. Now he's about genetic modification. It's the 80s. It's the 90s. Cool. We're starting to talk about this stuff. Cloning. Dolly yeah. the sheep. It makes uh, a lot of sense. It's That's reflected cool. by the times. Um, all right. This is not an era, but this is something that throws a big wrench in the works. Uh, 90s, Godzilla 1998. Mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller, what's his real name? Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick stars as Dr. Nico Tatapopoulos. Nico Tatopoulos? Nico Totopopoulos? There's a big joke in the movie that no one can pronounce his oh. name. It's insane. I don't remember. <clears throat> I've seen it, but like not a lot. Oh, it's a rough movie to watch today. It's really hard to watch. Yeah. Hank Azaria is in it as a character named Animal. Uh-huh. He is a, uh, a, a cameraman for a news network. Why is he called Animal? He's a bad boy? He's like a typical New Yorker. Animal. I feel like that doesn't fit that. I don't know. I don't know. The plot of the movie is out of control. Yeah. For for whatever reason, they seem to have thrown away the Japanese origins of Godzilla. Uh Uh-huh. The creature is different. It is still a bipedal, teeny front arm thing. Yeah. um, Until I get my hands on it. (laughs) 
<laughs> walking on fours. He'll be creeping yeah. around. Uh, but its head is far more like a T-Rex. It's way more boxy. Yeah. Um, uh, um, it doesn't seem to be able to breathe fire. Mm-hmm. They really enhance the animal qualities of it. The nuclear stuff is still the center of it. But here's what it's about. The French – Okay. We're doing nuclear testing. That's what Godzilla's been missing all this time. The French. The French. It was a big joke because Gene Reno plays a French spy. Okay. Have we ever had – is there some conflict, like some like espionage French, French conflict yeah, yeah, I've yeah. been unaware yeah. of? I, I don't understand where this came from. But so he comes over to like creep around and try to hide the secret of where Godzilla came from. And at one point they cut to him in a hotel room. He's like li- listening in. On Nico Tatopoulos. Uh-huh. And he, and he like sips his coffee, spits it out, and he goes, I thought this was supposed to be French. French, uh, you know, what, what is this coffee? This American coffee is crap. And one of his guys goes, hey, is it French roast? Uh-huh. And he points, it's like a Maxwell House French roast. Well, it's good stuff. The mayor of New York is Mayor Ebert. Okay. Because Roland Emmerich's movies were constantly crapped on by Roger Ebert. So Mayor Ebert well, is like this big fat yeah. idiot. Oh. And it's like, well, guess what? I don't care for this that. movie was also negatively yeah. <laughs> so I bet Ebert oop. took a like beautifully worded dump on this movie I bet he did I'd be very interested to look yeah. that up uh, 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 and somewhere in Missouri a young Will Rogers was watching all of this happen wrapped and then hitting yeah. rewind and watching it again yeah with a big <laughs> st- stupid smile on his face <laughs> eyes lifeless you like what you like Just looking at the screen <laughs> Looking through the screen. Good God. Um, according to Wikipedia, this is, this is really baffling. On Wikipedia, in the same sentence, they refer to the movie as a success and a failure. Okay. This is a sentence on Wikipedia about Godzilla 1998. Godzilla was released on May 20th, 1998 to negative reviews from critics and fans and was a box office success. <laughs> so good. Grossing $136 million domestic and $379 million worldwide. However, it was considered a box office disappointment. Wow. <laughs> It's a real, That's ri- one real sentence. ride of a sentence. <laughs> From negative reviews to box office to su- success to yeah. box office disappointment. Those are all in the same sentence. Two planned sequels were canceled and an animated TV series was produced wow. instead. It was not good. Yeah. Back to Toho. We enter the millennium period from 1999 to 2004. Rebooted again with Godzilla 2000. Millennium. Mm-hmm. Uh, it apparently ignores everything but the original. Okay. Again, each film is its own standalone story. I believe one of these movies, uh, the real Godzilla, faces off against the American Godzilla, and it's treated like this is going to be like a really big battle, and the American Godzilla clomps onto the scene. All cocky. And then the real Godzilla swiftly destroys it. Yeah, like that sounds Immediately right. destroys it. Uh, and we are presently, they retired uh, after the uh, millennium period in 2004. They decided to retire the series for a mm-hmm. while, but we're back. Yeah. Kristen? Right now we're in the uh, uh, the Reiwa period. Okay. Uh, there was a fully respected reboot called Shin Godzilla uh, that came out after the Brian Cranston movie that people mm-hmm. loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are plans in the future for Toho to do movies with all the Godzilla characters, somewhat like the Avengers, oh, so that there can wow. be you know like a Mothra movie that'll yeah. cross over with the Godzilla movie at some point, and it's going to be a sprawling landscape where they want to do a movie every two years. And an That's executive cool. went, but we're also looking at a yearly model. Yeah. 
It's like, wow. Yeah, everybody is. Yeah. Um, Fast tracking it. So Godzilla, quite frankly. Very hot right now. Very hot right now. Yeah. And to say he's back is to, I think, underplay yeah. the fact that he is. Hasn't gone anywhere. Really. He hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. He's been pretty damn active for 60 years. Yeah. Just under the sea. Under the sea. And cool. yet we awaken him. That's right. And there you go. Godzilla. That's awesome. <clears throat> I do want to also say that I think as a further reflection of the times, I think, and I'm not the only person who have said this, mm -hmm. but I don't have much research on it to back up with other quotes from people, that the modern Godzilla is not considered a metaphor about nuclear war or genetics or whatever. It's a comment on climate change. That's what it seems like from the trailer. Yeah, that there's this impending insurmountable thing that none of us know what to do about yeah. and we're all in disagreement about whether or not to even believe in it. Mm -hmm. And now it comes a calling. Yeah. Now uh, we're being shown as our cities are destroyed mm -hmm. that we've been stupid yeah. to ignore the warnings. Yeah, totally. And I think that's a, 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 as spooky as it is to be a person alive in this yeah. this era of the world. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect reflection. It really is. It actually of who we are. Even though you know, watching makes me like, I can acknowledge that that's like a very, very good idea. Yeah, it's compelling. It's, it's yeah. interesting. It's and natural. Again, it's a product of its time. Yeah. Totally. In in two hundred years, assuming we're all still around, yeah, Godzilla is going to be a metaphor for, for whatever's going on then. Yeah, you know, like going to be a robot or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, there is Mecha Godzilla. Oh, oh. I do want to do. I think it'd be fun to do like a mini topic where we we go through some of the ancillary Godzilla uh -huh. characters because there's some like real weird, wacky monsters in yeah. there that probably don't deserve their own topic. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there is a robot Godzilla, Kristen. That makes sense. I've I, I've heard of Mecha Godzilla. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the hell it is. I'm <laughs> assuming right. it's what humans made to fight. Yeah, I'm Godzilla, sure, I'm sure and then there's... somehow got a life of its own, probably. Right? <laughs> yeah, it must have been. I love that movie. I love. I really love movies and watching them evolve over time. One of the things that I think we've lost in the entertainment industry is the the. The silliness. Mm -hmm. Everything's been very serious. Yeah, it has been very serious. Yeah, ever since like Batman Begins, we've all had yeah. to, to like root things in reality and yeah, be and, stark. And, and have <clears throat> prestige. Yeah. In prestige. order for it to be valid. Yep. 100%, yeah. especially in horror. Mm -hmm. Jordan yes. Peele has uh, absolutely breathed new life into the horror genre. Yes. But I feel like everybody referring to things as prestige horror really mm -hmm. downplays how great horror can be. Oh, totally. If you, if you don't take it super serious. Yes. But, um, uh, uh, I love that Godzilla started, and you know we read that quote from the uh, producer. That's like you know this is about mankind creating the bomb, and then yeah. within a few years they're like, I don't know, big moth. Yeah, you know, right, like I right. love that it can get that simple, where they're just yeah. like, you can call it stupid or silly, but I really think that it's creative and fun to just be like, yeah, I don't know, a thing with three heads and wings. Sure. Go. I want to see him fight it. it Make it happen. Make it, it happen. It depends on the context. Yeah, obviously. that's true. That's you know what true. I mean? So, like, it could be just kind of simple but awesome or, like, stupid and lazy. It all depends on how it gets executed. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. But on yeah. a long enough timeline, it's all yeah. gravy. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? There it's are 35 Godzilla movies. You can yeah. have your really super serious one if you want it. Right. And that doesn't mean that you can't go back to silly. Exactly. Yeah, because it's all, it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, there you go. There you go. That's awesome. I see the rest of my time. 
All right. Well, I'm taking the floor to say bye-bye. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for another yeah. uh, uh, foot-stomp-and-spoon-bending episode That's right. of Guide to the Unknown. Mm-hmm. We really hope you enjoyed yourself yeah. uh, nearly as much as we did. That's right. Um, if you liked the show, please consider going out there to do a few things. Mm-hmm. One, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yep, that's really, really awesome. There are a few people who've also reviewed us on our Facebook page, yes. at GTTU Pod. Yeah, basically, whatever medium works for you if you could leave us a review that would be great yep the stars go up to five yeah just saying um you can also follow at gttu pod on other social media as well mm-hmm. we're on twitter facebook and instagram you yep. can check out posts throughout the week mm-hmm. um <clears throat> you can go to patreon.com slash gttu pod if you'd like to donate a little something back to us yeah we appreciate it a ton when you do that you can just kind of think of it as like giving us a tip for the entertainment that you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Facebook.com slash groups slash GTTU pod is your place to join the secret society. That's right. And talk with other listeners and viewers such as yourself. Yeah, it's really, really awesome. And beyond that, we would really just appreciate it if you tell your friends. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If you enjoy it, just tell other people who you think would enjoy it. And let's just have more people listening and hanging out and doing things that make them happy. Yeah, basically. spread and cheer and spread and fear. That's right. Uh, you can also Ooh. hit us up online if you would like, because Kristen and I love to hear from people. Yeah, we do. I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at The Myth Traveler. Mm-hmm. So we'll see you next week when we return. That's right. To spook the nation. Yeah. And laugh about it. That's right. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Bye. Bye.